Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewelry that makes you look like the gem or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly ebay gets it so look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch stitch sole and logo is checked by experts with ebay authenticity guarantee you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach ensure your next purchase is the real deal visit ebay.com for terms This is The Guardian. Welcome to Weekend, a podcast that helps you switch off from your busy day-to-day and find entertainment and inspiration in the best Guardian and Observer writing from the week. You can either listen to this as one podcast or play each article as individual listens. Just scroll down the description on the podcast page for the timings of what we are featuring. Coming up, as the Partygate inquiry drags on, the former Prime Minister is playing all the old hits. But have we finally reached peak Boris? One billion streams. What makes John Cooper Clarke's I Wanna Be Yours possibly the world's favourite poem? And journalist Viv Groskop navigates the mixed messages of the women's midlife clothing market. Before we begin, just a warning, there's a bit of bad language in this episode. Now, Boris Johnson's supposedly bombshell Partygate defence dossier has finally been released, leaving readers wildly ambivalent. So, with the former PM wheeling out the old clown act to rebuff allegations he misled Parliament, let's hope, pleads Marina Hyde, that it's for the last time. Read by Laura Shavin. One last heave, in all senses of the word, for Boris Johnson, Britain's worst ex, who on Wednesday flopped himself out in front of the Standards Committee and asked it to consider an auto-satirical question. Did the foremost British liar of the age tell a lie? If you want a sense of our self-respect as a nation, an entire parliamentary investigation has spent 10 months gathering evidence on that question, while £220,000 and rising has been spent by the taxpayer on Johnson's legal defence. It is, let's face it, a long way to go to reach the conclusion. Lol. Of course he told a lie, it's Boris Johnson! Strip away the incidental details of this latest adventure in a career of turbo-fibbing and you are faced with a reality as old as bullshit itself. Johnson, who last told the truth during the Reagan administration and then only accidentally, 
has somehow got the government to fund state-of-the-art lawyers to prove he wasn't aware of parties happening in his own house, attended by his own self, against his own rules, and, in at least one case, against his own laws, having gone on telly every single night to tell people that compliance to the letter of said rules and laws was a matter of life and death. Please bear this in mind if you tuned in to his appearance on Wednesday afternoon, along with the question, does our country have a path to dignity? Because this ain't it. Wednesday's spectacle in the Bollocksium promised to be yet another poignantly belated cautionary tale. Most sightings of Johnson since he was dragged out of office have served as a sobering reminder that, having been politically roofied by him, this really was the man we let be Prime Minister for three years. Despite raking in millions in the past few months, Johnson still dresses like he buys his outfits in 10-kilogram sacks printed with the words assorted clothes. Far from being winsome, the famous hair increasingly tends towards the specialist end of the unkempt spectrum. As he runs down his sixth decade, Johnson is one pair of reactor-like glasses short of looking like something off the beast wing at His Majesty's full Sutton. Having submitted his supposedly explosive defence dossier on Monday, 48 hours before his scheduled appearance, the XPM and his team were outraged that it wasn't rushed immediately into publication by the Standards Committee, the sort of affront that gives off huge Norma Desmond energy. Our star has simply failed to grasp that he isn't in the priority lane anymore and that people will get around to him when they get around to him and not before. That hotly defensive defence dossier has now been published and the overwhelming feeling is stop whining and wanging on and weaseling out. You were the actual Prime Minister. Man up. Johnson has lied so much and for so long and in such varied arenas that he presumably doesn't even know he's doing it anymore. In many ways, the true disappointment is that his lawyer David Panic has not advised him to go with a plea of diminished responsibility. Admittedly, Johnson's delusions are shared, albeit by fewer and fewer people. There remains a rump Westminster fandom that still believes there's a superior version of his prime ministership back there if only the suits would release it, a sort of Snyder cut of governing. There isn't. We all lived through the reality. Though significantly dwindled in number, these fans are no less toxic than they were. You might have noted one of them preemptively referring to Wednesday's hearing as an organised lynching, a way of putting it that suggests we can look forward to Nadine Dorries storming the committee room while singing Strange Fruit. Naturally, anyone can see why Johnson's sense that his political career is not yet over remains so incredibly powerful. It is, quite simply, the only thing in which he has ever truly believed. You know this hearing really matters to him because he isn't even on holiday for it. Do recall that last October's fall of Liz Truss was the only time in his entire political career that Johnson returned home from holiday for a crisis. And how telling that it was a crisis in someone else's leadership and consequently an opportunity for him. As London mayor, he carried on with his American road trip while his city rioted. 
As Prime Minister, he skipped multiple Cobra meetings at the start of Covid to focus on his Shakespeare book slash divorce slash lack of focus. Later, he couldn't be asked returning from some Scottish yurt-based break to deal with the exams crisis. So, Wednesday's date with Destiny exposed the tragically serious reality that the Clown Act seeks to keep hidden. He is still in pursuit of the only job in which he has ever made sense to himself. And yet, this pursuit feels decidedly doomed these days, vibes-wise. Whereas last October a comeback seemed at least a possibility, however lunatic, Johnson now feels inescapably yesterday's man. You can't quite put your finger on exactly why, but the air has gone out of it all. Of course, he had his close-up on Wednesday, and his memoirs will give him a few more when they're published, but the phrase that was always used to give him licence, that's just Boris, now sounds bored and dismissive. Oh, that's just Boris. That's just Boris, just another clapped-out warlord living in Knightsbridge, trying to make his father a consul or give a horse a peerage or something. You know what he's like. And the caravan has moved on. That was Decision Time. Did habitual liar Boris Johnson tell some lies? It's Going to Be Tense by Marina Hyde. Read by Laura Shavin. Now, I Want to Be Yours, a love poem that rhymes Ford Cortina with vacuum cleaner, has been a school text and a wedding staple. But now... Thanks to TikTok and Arctic Monkeys, it has gone spectacularly global. So who was it written for? Ben Beaumont Thomas breaks down John Cooper Clarke's literary phenomenon. Read by Jason Dunn. Forget T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, Philip Larkin's High Windows and Sylvia Plath's Lady Lazarus. While those works may have more cultural heft, For sheer popularity, no 20th century British poem can touch John Cooper Clarke's I Wanna Be Yours. In this love poem, to prove his devotion, an abject Clarke offers to metamorphose into everyday items. I wanna be your vacuum cleaner breathing in your dust. I wanna be your Ford Cortina, I will never rust. The work became an irreverent favourite at weddings, soon after being written in 1982. And its addition to the GCSE English syllabus in the 1990s brought it to a younger generation. One of those studying it was Alex Turner of Arctic Monkeys, who later said, It made my ears prick up in the classroom, because it was nothing like anything I'd heard. Turner eventually adapted it into the ballad that closes out the band's most successful album, 2013's AM. Thanks in part to another new audience, teens finding it on TikTok, the band's version of I Wanna Be Yours is now wildly, improbably popular. It will clock up its billionth stream on Spotify this week, having spent months on the platform's top 50 songs chart Not in the UK, but globally. This slow ballad, with Clark's poetry referencing setting lotion and electricity meters, sticks out a mile next to K-pop and Puerto Rican reggaeton. Spotify says the song is most popular in the US, Indonesia, Mexico and Brazil. The band's label, Domino, says the song's popularity is particularly growing in India, the Philippines and Turkey. 
If it was previously Britain's favourite wedding poem, it's now quantifiably the world's favourite British poem, full stop. Is that a lot? says 74-year-old Clark when I tell him about the billion streams milestone. An American billion's different to a British billion, and I don't know what either of them is, but it's a fuck of a lot of listens. I Wanna Be Yours was written as a sweet counterpoint to the punkier stuff Clark had made his name with, some of which even hit the UK top 40 in the late 70s. Surrealist beat poetry, withering character studies, pissed off social commentary. The poem appeared on his album Zip Style Method, recited over an echo-heavy neo-do-wop backing. Imagine Roy Orbison if he was from Salford and had lost the will to sing. That wasn't my idea, I've got to be honest, he says of his musical backings, but I couldn't think of an argument against it. Who plays spoken word records more than once? and I kind of believed that at the time. He says, I Wanna Be Yours is a deeply felt romantic valentine poem, and that he's a natural romantic, to a sadistic degree. But he splutters nervously when I ask about the woman it was written for. There've been so many. He argues that it wasn't born out of romantic feelings anyway, but graft. Inspiration is for amateurs. I've got a living to make. It's an actual nine-to-five job, Though obviously it spills over into the evening if you're on one, you've got to put the hours in. The vacuum cleaner line opens the poem. There were all kinds of new usurpers of the Hoover, so the term was already resident in the public imagination. I tapped into that. Then I thought, what else is useful? The next line originally featured a Morris Marina. I had a second-hand one at the time, but I thought, bit naff. It's not got the clout of Cortina. Funny how some words are better than others. Later lines have Clark offering to become a teddy bear, a coffee pot and an umbrella, and adding, I want to be your electric meter, I will not run out. I want to be the electric heater, you'll get cold without. It is about, he says, elevating yourself to the level of a commodity for the person of your desire. When you're in love with somebody, you want to be useful to them, indispensable even. I Want to Be Yours is perhaps so loved because it's the polar opposite of playing hard to get, a feeling heightened by Clark's live readings of it, delivered with a relentless drive like a man who's rushed up to you with a fistful of petrol station daffodils. This is why it works at weddings too. It's the one place, particularly in eye-rolling cynical Britain, where you can get away with saying this stuff. As wedding celebrant Claire Lawrence explains. If you Google wedding reading inspiration, I Wanna Be Yours comes up every single time, says Lawrence, amid a load of really quite slushy readings. It's the alternative for people who don't want to be too hallmark card. Older couples tend towards saying stuff about soulmates and eternity. But Lawrence says that with younger people, the everyday is a theme that comes up a lot, the mundanity, sitting with somebody having a cup of tea, doing the big shop. I Want to Be Yours, a love poem pledging eternal devotion that's full of mundane detail, ticks both boxes. But, she warns, it's a hard one to read well. You've got John Cooper Clark or Arctic Monkeys in the back of your head, 
You can't just get your Uncle Philip to have a go at it. You need someone with chutzpah. Wedding planner Lindsay Barford says the poem fits into broader trends too. The Monkey's Link makes it popular amid a current craze for music festival-style weddings, while couples facing a cost-of-living crisis are rejecting tradition. There are barns where every weekend you can pay £35,000 and get the same wedding as everyone else with the same readings. People don't want to do that. Or, if you do have a traditional wedding, complete with Marangi dress, I Want to Be Yours can be a neat bit of iconoclasm. In the wedding industry, says Barford, there's a huge thing about your wedding your way. But we all know what it's like with parents. So a reading is a way to stamp your own personality. Clark says that when he stays in a hotel where there's a wedding going on, quite often the couple will rush over and say they've just read his poem out. Occasionally he delivers it at weddings himself for friends. I get a dinner out of it. It is to weddings what always look on the bright side of life is to humanist funerals. You probably wouldn't play Arctic Monkeys version for your first dance though. It's more funereal than marital. Turner's steady delivery is very different to Clark's, and he tweaks and adds lyrics. There's a killer bit of changed emphasis when he sings Let Me Be the Portable Heater, suggesting a love rival that isn't there in the poem. Clark is utterly in love with the band's version. On a prosaic level, it has made him a lot of PRS, referring to royalties, and has substantially boosted his profile. He's touring sizeable UK venues this month. I was never actually on the sausage. Rhyming slang for dole. As this is what I do, this is my job, and sometimes I'm doing better business than others. But thanks to a great extent to the lads sticking me into the pop world again, everything has gone from strength to strength. More profoundly, Clark sees Turner, who couldn't contribute to this article while on tour in Asia, as a kindred wordsmith, and goes off on some fascinating songwriting analysis. On I Wanna Be Yours, the previously smooth Turner deliberately stumbles as he sings the wordy line, at least as deep as the Pacific Ocean. Clark says it's the humanising moment of the song, one that shows you nobody's perfect. And Turner does it through the rhythm and musicality of the words themselves, rather than with his singing voice. When you use this MO of putting too many words per line, you're actually depriving yourself of the opportunity to inject soulfulness into the vocal delivery. Your main concern is getting the language out there, making it fit, Clark says. So there's no extraneous bearing of the soul. He compares Turner to Chuck Berry in this regard, citing a line from Berry's brown-eyed handsome man. Way back into history, 3,000 years in fact, ever since the world began. He doesn't need to put in fact in there, but Chuck couldn't bear to leave that gap. It makes it just that bit more intimate and conversational. That in fact should fuck it up, but it doesn't. Another example from the same song, Milo Venus was a beautiful girl, she had the world in the palm of her hand, lost both her arms in a wrestling match to meet a brown-eyed handsome man. You can't get a Rizzler in there. Every millisecond is spoken for. Fantastic. 
When Arctic Monkeys played Earl's Court for the release of AM, they invited Clark along and teed up their encore with I Wanna Be Yours. Balloons falling from the ceiling, the big finish, Clark wistfully remembers. And I was reading an interview in one of the papers with... He says this next name with the reverence of a monk addressing a newly canonised saint. Abby Clancy, who was very enthusiastic about Arctic Monkey's new album, mentioning I Wanna Be Yours as her favourite track. It was a revelation that she was a fan of my work without necessarily knowing about it. I was thrilled. The biggest thrill, though, is that I Wanna Be Yours has helped to lift up poetry itself. Any work of art, says Clark, that has any lasting transcendent value, a painting that haunts you through life. You say it's poetic. Unlike all the other arts, poetry is the one everyone gives a go. I believe everyone's written a poem at some point. It's the easiest, most accessible. A pen and a piece of paper and off you go. You don't even have to be literate. You could record something but it's perceived as a minority of a minority who are interested in poetry. I don't know why it's got that reputation. Songs aren't that far from poetry, as Alex has pointed out. That was A Billion Listens, Is That A Lot? John Cooper Clarke on penning possibly the world's favourite poem by Ben Beaumont-Thomas. Read by Jason Dunn. We'll be back after this short break. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The wait is over and we are back for series two of Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph. We'll dive into the biggest pop culture stories of the week again from Meghan and Harry. And this is why sort of turning Harry and Meghan into polarising figures ticks a lot of boxes because it just drives clicks. To Rihanna. Rihanna rocks up at about one. She just swans in like she's the most ordinary person in the world. Just morning a couple of minutes late. And of course, the chaos of my life. I meet someone, I show my friends, they're like, mm, yeah, it's okay. Four weeks later, I'm sliding down the wall crying. One week later, I message my friends, I met you guys. This is how I dated 11 people in one year. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.
welcome back to Weekend. Finally, what exactly is ageless dressing? Our writer Viv Groskop, nearly 50, navigates the daunting, complex world of women's midlife fashion. Read by Laura Shavin. When I was growing up in the 1970s, I would not have given much thought to fashion for the over 50s and what I might wear if I had the good fortune to live to see such obscene decrepitude. But if I had, I would have imagined wearing what my late grandmother called slacks, elasticated waist trousers, long line ribbed cardigans with large ornate buttons and comfortable shoes from Clark's. My grandmother Vera, who was 52 when I was born, liked to be what she termed smart but definitely conformed to standards of what was acceptable at the time. She bought most of her clothing from charity shops or Marks & Spencer. The charity shop dream was to find second-hand items from Jaeger, Winsmore, Planet or the Holy Grail, Danny Mac. She did have a personal style and occasionally wore very loud earrings, but she knew what she was supposed or allowed to wear and which brands would provide it. Clothes were a pleasure. On the brink of 50 myself, I realised recently that all those reliable grandma labels have either disappeared or only exist in some other incarnation. BHS, tanked in 2016. Debenhams, folded into Boohoo.com after liquidation in 2021. CNA, still operating in Europe, but the last UK stores closed in 2001. Jaeger, now on sale at M&S. House of Fraser closed 31 of its 59 stores in 2018 and was bought out by Sports Direct. It has a new flagship store in Wolverhampton called Fraser's. Even Danny Mac was dissolved as a standalone company in 2018, although the brand name lives on at JD Williams. I was amazed to find they currently have a padded dark khaki gilet for £76, which I'm tempted to buy in honour of my grandma. Trini Woodall, 59 and with 1.2 million Instagram followers hanging on every morsel of her wardrobe advice, says everyone needs a gilet. So what are you supposed to wear when you turn 50? Does that demographic still even exist as a retail concept? Hope Fashion is one of the only brands specifically aimed at women over 50. It was launched in 2015 by Nana McIntosh, former head of store environment at M&S. Hope recently sought crowdfunding from its 20,000 customers after two investors pulled out. Macintosh said it was hard to attract funding from predominantly male investors. Many brands which have emerged as successful competitors for the post-midlife crisis market rarely trumpet their demographic, aiming instead for the suggestion of an ageless customer. Bowden, Autograph at M&S, Mint Velvet, M&M, Toast, Sassanda, Jigsaw, anthropology. Trini Woodall consistently champions the idea of ageless beauty in fashion, which is obviously hugely appealing to an ageing female population who don't want to feel as if they ever have to give up. My instinct, though, is that most brands rarely talk to older customers directly, because no one wants to be reminded that they are an older customer. However, I also hear a great deal of angst from women about mixed cultural messages. On the one hand, over 50s want to feel they can wear whatever they choose. On the other, they want to feel reassured that their demographic is special. And they're scared that if they wear whatever they want, it will be wrong. It's as if being older is simultaneously totally meaningless 
We're all ageless now and profoundly meaningful. So much empowering wisdom. It's confusing. Overwhelm has taken the pleasure out of clothes shopping. There is an avalanche of style advice on social media, so many new brands, so much advertising, so many ways to shop. Online versus bricks and mortar, renting versus secondhand, and fear of ridicule looms large. Many of the cries for help on internet stylist forums reflect this. Can I really get away with wearing a tangerine trouser suit? Is this much leopard print too bet lynch? Am I too old for pleather? People now have too much self-awareness to talk about mutton dressed as lamb, but this idea has never quite gone away. It's just been rephrased. Similarly, it's nearly 30 years since Arabella Weir's character in The Far Show asked, does my bum look big in this? We know we're not supposed to ask this question anymore and that it's body-shaming and self-hatred, but somehow the question is still here. Natasha Mousson is a 48-year-old Somerset-based stylist who works with women in their 50s, 60s and 70s who are clearing out their wardrobes. They are often women who have a lot of clothes but feel as if they have nothing to wear and then feel guilty about it. Their main problem, she says, is that shopping for clothes has become daunting and exhausting. Gone are the days when you just take a day out, waltz about, find something new and come home feeling fulfilled. We've seen it all on social media and are being told all the time what to wear and how to wear it. This adds to the pressure of being a little bit older and trying to keep it all together. She sees her main task as reducing what she calls her client's overload. Too many clothes, not enough storage space, the pressure to buy more. She gets people to pick out the clothes they already own that mean the most to them, and then she works around that. If you're going to buy anything, invest in better basics. It's pretty simple, she says. If you're not comfortable, you won't be stylish. Karen Arthur, a teacher-turned-stylist, activist and host of the podcast Menopause Whilst Black, says... I get more compliments on my style as a woman in my 60s than I did in my 20s or 30s. Ten years ago, she ended a 30-year career in teaching and her beloved aunt died. She began documenting the link between her mental health and her sense of style on social media. I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression and I realised I was menopausal. As she cleared out her aunt's flat, she found that the only thing that cheered her up was hanging on to her aunt's favourite outfits. She wasn't into fashion, but she was into good clothing. She had this St. Michael maxi skirt and a CNA pleated skirt that I really took to. At the time, most days I didn't even feel like getting dressed, but those were the things I would reach for because I missed her. So I started talking about that under the hashtag where you're happy. She says it took her about another seven or eight years before she truly properly realised that she just didn't care what other people think and began to wear whatever she felt like. At that point, she gave away 95% of her wardrobe to charity. In the run-up to her 50th birthday, a lot of anxious thoughts loom large for many people. The volume of stuff you've accumulated over your adult life, the environmental cost of all that stuff, and the awareness that these things don't really matter when millions of people are using food banks. These concerns are not specific to the over 50s, but the older you get, the heavier they can weigh. Despite austerity and the economic after-effects of the pandemic, the average UK shopper will still be buying 27 new items a year by 2030, according to sustainability think tank the Hot or Cool Institute. By its reckoning, the maximum should be nine new items a year. Lucinda Chambers, 
founder of digital shopping platform Collagery and formerly fashion director of Vogue for 25 years, says there's an appetite for finding this one thing, whether that thing is ultra-lux or very affordable, because otherwise the choice is overwhelming. This is what makes shopping so unpleasurable now. True value, she says, lies in a great edit of both designer brands and the high street, which is what she and her co-founder Serena Hood do at Collagerie. Hood is also ex-Vogue and in her 30s. They curate online collections of fashion and home items on a regular basis. Their selection might include a 2,850 rare sequin dress and a 1,950-pound Burberry trench. Grandma would faint, alongside things you might actually buy, such as a Zara striped knit for £26 or suspiciously similar £39 trench coat from H&M. Chambers says her own style has not changed in 30 years. When I started at Vogue at 18, I made all my own clothes and wore vintage. Everyone else was in Chanel or lookalike Chanel. I always felt not in fashion. She remembers her own grandmother wearing a Jaeger stretch pant in olive green and matching crew neck. My grandmother would have killed to find this in a charity shop. She sees women in their 60s and 70s in the street and thinks, oh, she is getting so much pleasure from getting dressed every morning. These women are distinctive, she adds, because they've worked out what suits them and they dress exclusively for themselves, not for the approval of others. Style is worth bothering with, she says, because it's so life-enhancing. But what if you feel too old to wear something? That's in your head, Chambers says. Her own tricks? Find an item from a brand that really fits you and suits you and stick with it. Toast do the only trousers that suit me. Find colours that suit you. For Chambers, that's khaki and navy, not pink and purple. If I buy something now, I have to think, yes, but will I love this when I'm 80? Marielle Wise started her brand Wise London eight years ago when she was 49. I'm nearly 60, but in terms of what I'm wearing and my style, I really don't notice much difference to a decade ago, Wise says. I think style is completely and utterly ageless. I just call it clever dressing, enhancing your best bits and covering up your not-so-great bits. That's something that should happen at any age. Fashion will come along and say, you must wear a miniskirt, and I think, who says I must? Wise says that some of the most stylish women she sees are in their 70s and 80s. They frame themselves, they tailor themselves. Your shoulders sag when you get older, so you just frame your shoulders better. This is one of Trini's tricks, too. Use shoulder pads and or pay close attention to how padded the shoulders are on a jacket. To which Wise adds, quality fabric. Buy less, buy better. That's always going to look fantastic. Her brand does occasionally acknowledge a trend. For example, three years ago, I would have said, no, I am not going to wear mustard. Now we have a mustard scarf, so you do nod at these things gently. It's a £150 cashmere scarf in ochre. Shopping on Instagram is often disappointing because an item of clothing rarely looks as good as in a photo. Plus, a lot of the looks are marketed at potential Love Island participants. But it is still the best place for over 50 stylists, for vintage and second-hand pieces, and for inspiration. Women over 40 can afford to pay more for clothes, Wise says. It's a big and powerful demographic. They might still buy black trousers and a white shirt at Zara, but they also want a beautiful print, cut and fabric for a special occasion purchase. But crucially, that doesn't mean that the clothes are for the older woman. We have a lot of mother and daughter customers. The mother buys it, the daughter borrows it. 
they style and wear it differently. Karen Arthur adds that while it's not easy to ignore the avalanche of contradictory marketing slogans, it's worth the effort. I see all these rules on social media posts that I find bonkers. You can't show your boobs and your legs at the same time. You can't wear black tights with white stilettos. Here's what to wear if you're over 40. I mean, fuck off. Those rules don't serve humans. They only serve people who want to make money out of us. Her own rules? Look at what you love. Make sure that the first thing you put next to your skin, your underwear, is something that makes you feel great. Have another look in your wardrobe. Don't keep things for best. We've just been through a global pandemic. We should dress every day like we're partying, because we're glad to be alive. That was What Women in Their 50s Want to Wear by Viv Crosscop. Read by Laura Shavin. That's all from us. This has been Weekend, a Guardian podcast. If you're enjoying it, please make sure to like, subscribe to and rate the podcast. Maybe even leave us a nice review. Just search for Weekend wherever you get your podcasts. This week's articles were read by Laura Shavin and Jason Dunn and presented by me, Savannah Ayoade greaves This episode was produced by Rachel Porter. The executive producer is Ellie Bury. Join us again next Saturday. Thanks for listening. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.